Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome listeners and foodies to this edition of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm your head chef, Patch, and with me, serving up good conversation, is my best friend and sous chef, Aaron. Hello. I don't really have anything witty to say to that other than hello. It should be hello, chef. I think that would be the more appropriate. You're right. I guess yeah. that's one of my favorite moments is when he's scolding his kid after he's cleaning the truck and the kid's like, okay, okay, okay. Well, actually, it's not the scolding moment. It's the second time when he's like really kind of teaching him. It's after his mm-hmm. kid almost, or he burns the Cubano and he's like, oh, I don't care. We're not paying for it or whatever. <laughs> and he gives him a talking to him and the kid's like, Yes, chef. <laughs> like, it's I'm going to make my kids, man. yeah, start calling me chef, even though I don't, like, I don't know, maybe when I, like, make them a hot dog. <laughs> That's yes, chef to you, Tyler. You just get, get right in his face, man. Get right in I his poured face. those Doritos on that plate perfectly. <laughs> Look at that plating. Anyway. You're not paying for it, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, uh, if you are afraid of how many cooking references uh, I can get into in this intro, fear not, I'm pretty much wiped after that. But that won't stop us from chopping it up about our love for the 2014 film Chef, written, directed, and starring one of my favorite guys, John Favreau. So without further delay, let's get cooking, uh, or started. Yeah, that'll do it. Okay, I'm out now. This is your official spoiler warning, um, apart from Aaron's kind of diatribe into part of the movie that shouldn't spoil much if you haven't seen it but from here on out we're officially giving you our spoiler warning so if you haven't seen the movie obviously check it out enjoy our conversation and join us uh wherever you are to yell at us or to just gush about how much you love this movie as much as we do all right 2014 brought us this independent movie Aaron, and i don't remember if it was you or if it was another friend of mine that said hey you need to check this out i checked it out and fell immediately in love with it and i didn't really understand why i just knew that i had to go back and watch it again and i did (laughs) probably a couple of days after i'd seen it and i think what made me absolutely just kind of fall in love with it was just that it felt very different from these you know road movies that i've seen in the past these independent dramas of course i've been used to john favreau as an actor and as a director you know, he did Iron Man, Elf, and so I've seen his directorial touch on a number of movies that I've enjoyed, The Jungle Book being another one. I've also seen some of his acting chops in movies back from the the 90s, like Rudy and Rounders, you know, one of his first scripts uh, turned movie. And I think what made me really connect with this is the fact that even though this is about a chef, it's about this art that gets fully displayed on screen. Ultimately, what it comes down to is how he is conflicted with being a chef and being successful, what that's defined like, the art versus the actual product itself. And then you mix in this estranged relationship with his son after uh, a, a divorce that we are sort of told about, hindsight. And, you know, watching this go through, it feels very light. It doesn't feel heavy on the drama or even on the emotion, but it feels like it's a good mix of a lot of different things that I enjoy. You've got great writing, you've got incredible cinematography, you've got these great food prep sequences that I think almost steal the show from everything else. And I think it's what I took away the first time I watched this, which was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to watch these people. I'm going to watch this food being prepared because it's just absolutely incredible. And for me, I love going back and watching this because I remember leaving my first viewing and thinking that kind of wrapped up pretty nicely. There was a nice little bow attached to that. And there was maybe a little bit of cynicism or realism in myself of going, ah, I just, I don't know if I can make that call for it being a perfect movie for me because that doesn't happen. And then I watched it again and then I watched it again and I watched it again. It becomes sort of a, an annual watch for me, not like at any particular time, but I feel like, hey, you know what? I could watch Chef right now because I'm hungry and maybe this is not <laughs> the best time to, to to watch this. But I also know that there are parts in this movie, 
not just those sequences, but also just these small conversations that take place between Casper and his people that really just allow me to latch on to different pieces. They latch on to small moments of like reality. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And over time, this movie has become an absolute favorite for me. It's become one that, while I wouldn't say, yeah, top five, it's definitely a rewatchable. I would put it, if we give it stars, I would definitely consider it trophy room from my end. And I, I think it's something that is relatable for a lot of people. You don't have to love food. You don't have to be a chef. You can be a father or you can be someone who is passionate about your career and are at a point where you're like, does this really make me happy? Should I do something else? And so for me, Chef does that. It's all those buttons and all those points to a to a place where I don't feel like there's some insincerity at all with it. I feel like it's really genuine. It really feels like I felt like John Favreau was a chef and I, I, I haven't seen any of the behind the scenes stuff, but I'd like to believe that all the work that went into making him feel and look like a chef how he cuts things and prepares, it's very realistic. It feels authentic. And so I don't know a thing about what it means to be a professional chef, but after this, I didn't really care. I wanted to, even to be able to make like gourmet hot dogs <laughs> for my kid and <laughs> to be able to do that in a way that's like, what could I do? Could I create a reduction or could I just throw, you know, some anchovies in here and then throw <laughs> some olive oil? You know, just. <laughs> When my kid just like, dude, just make me a hot dog, man. Just give me a bun and a wiener and I'm good. And so, um, you know, a lot of that went into my head watching watching this. And, and this time around was no different. I just, it just reiterated how much I love the movie. Well, I loved hearing all of what you just said. And I specifically was in a place where I was kind of caught in between as well. I'm pretty sure that I am the one who recommended it to you. I saw it randomly because it was on Netflix and, and it's been a long time since I've watched it since that first viewing actually to the point where when I sat down to watch it for the podcast after we talked about it, I, I just I had assumed it was on Netflix because, you know, it was on Netflix seven years ago when I watched it whatever. <laughs> That's not how Netflix works, folks, in case you uh, didn't know. Stuff leaves Netflix. Tragedy, well, man, tragedy. <laughs> this one left, and I was bummed after rewatching it, Patrick, because I rented it. And I honestly, the first thought was, man, I just wasted five bucks because I, we need to buy this movie. Like, we should own this movie. It's ridiculous that we don't own this movie. So whatever. It takes, you know, oops, we made a mistake. So they get an extra five bucks. It's a good movie. It's worth it. But the feeling I had was extremely similar. So this was like a high-end four for me. Such a sweet little movie. But I agree, the thing that was so memorable the first viewing and the thing that I really found myself recommending it to you because of was that food. And it was like, oh, this just made me hungry. This is so many great sequences of cooking, which we'll talk about, and different types of food. And Every single one of them is depicted in a way that makes your mouth completely water. And it's such a cool way that it's done because it's very natural feeling. And I think that that speaks to John's like passion for this and his detail that he went in, put into learning how to be a chef for this, which again, we'll talk about that a little bit later too. But it shows because it's not just a glossy depiction of food if you will like you know uh, there's i've watched a lot of cooking shows in my time not so many in the last several years because once i went keto i found that the things i would watch on the cooking channels and all the food trucks that i used to go to i used to love the great food truck race and so this movie reminds me of that well they don't do keto hardly ever right so i had to take a break from kind of consuming all of this cooking stuff. But when I would watch a bunch of those cooking shows, I remember there would be, you know, quite a bit of the way they were photographed was just almost fake. <laughs> it probably is like to the point where the food looks so unnaturally perfect. It reminded me of some of the marketing photos that you get sometimes of like the McDonald's or Burger King burgers, <laughs> where you know, and they yeah. look like the lettuce, like, <laughs> too perfect. I don't know, man. Perfect. It just came off of the actual out of the garden or something. Yeah, it's not what it looks like when you get it. But this looks like something you would get, and it's also still mouthwatering. So anyway, long way to say 
it's a beautifully shot movie, as you mentioned, in an unnatural kind of way that you're not used to saying that about something. When you say, oh, the cinematography in a movie is gorgeous, and you're talking about a Roger Deakins film, or you're talking about Greg right, Frazier right. and Dune and the Batman, it's a lot different than the when I'm looking at Chef going, but this is great cinematography, because it is. And um, yeah, it's super immersive. Anyway, I also felt even stronger about it this time and i will gladly agree with you and put this in the trophy room it's our first one since november of last year when we covered back to the future and i I, and it kind of caught me off guard too last night like i was when we selected it it was on a whim we just kind of had a conversation at the end of the last podcast and we're like hey let's what are we going to cover we went down this list and it was on there and it came up along with a whole bunch of other stuff and we just were like oh let's do that one we both like that movie so it's neat when it hits like this. I found myself completely just in love with it and, and all of its themes and relationships. And you're right. It does tie up with a, a nice little perfect bow. And I actually appreciate that about this movie. That is something that makes it better, not worse. Some movies, it feels fake. This movie is special because of its optimism. It's got character that's flawed but it's not hyper-focused on everything else in the movie being flawed. Right. It's one guy, right. and it's a flaw that we all have, right? It's a natural thing that we can all overcome. I love that there is a ex-parenting unit in this movie that are friends that clearly still have some caring feelings for each other that are supportive. The wife is supportive of the ex-husband, and it's a beautiful beautiful depiction of that and something we just hardly ever see so that is one of the things that really jumps out at me i think you're exactly right when it comes to that kind of relationship because the word positive kind of rings in my ear i think back in 2014 when this movie came out or when we when you recommended it to me i think it was 2017 i don't remember when i actually watched it the first time you know we hadn't experienced covid we hadn't experienced a wave of pessimism and you know right now as we're recording this there's crazy stuff going on in ukraine just a lot of cynicism that exists in the world and you know you and i talk about this when it comes to shows like ted lasso it's the show that we need because of its positivity and i think that i can appreciate chef now in light of all that not just because it wraps everything up in a tiny bow but because it does it in a way that feels purposeful it's not like it's going out of its way to wrap things up. Like the movie ends with a wedding, a renewal of vows, if you will, in a restaurant that Casper has opened up six months after his encounter with Ramsey Michelle, you know, the uh, the great food critic uh, played Oliver by Oliver Platt. Platt. Talk oh, about man. a perfect casting. It's so good, <laughs> man. It's so good. And the way he heel turns in his first opening moment as a critic when he's getting yelled at, right like he plays that snooty just oh i i I got things to say about this elitist critic type attitude and the rant that he goes on is beautiful i thought (laughs) about criticism but like oliver platt plays him so perfectly like the guy you want to hate and that turn when he meets him at the food truck i just i think he's in this movie for five total minutes maybe and he is such a bonus because when he goes back to Favreau in the truck and he's like, no, dude, like (laughs) I'm on your team. Like I've been a fan. I, I, I'm being critical of you. It actually changed the way I was thinking about movies, criticism and how I approached it. Patrick, I'm not going to lie. When he was like, my job is to be critical of you and your food was not your best. It is still good, but it is not anywhere near what I know that you are capable of. And that is my job is to call that out. It has nothing to do with not liking you. Hey, here's my money. Let me be a partner because I want to back you. Like it was beautiful and honest and just really cool to see that. Anyway, Oliver Platt was great and perfectly cast for that. <laughs> yes, he was. And and really, so were all these other characters. One of the things that I really attached myself to was Carl's circle of influence, essentially. Everyone, it seemed like, was on his side, even Ramsey, to an extent, is the way you describe him. Like, he wants Carl's best. You see uh, Martin, played by John Leguizamo. I love his performance because 
He is completely loyal to him. Completely. The moment he says, I got a food truck. And that conversation that he has with him, with, uh, I think it's Tony in the background. He's like, you got a freaking taco truck. What are you doing? The way he delivers those lines is fantastic. But you see him later going, I'm going to hook you up with a stereo. I'm going to do this all. And he goes, dude, I've maxed up my credit cards. He goes, man, are you happy? Because you look happy. And you could tell Martin is just completely dedicated to this guy's happiness because he respects him. So you know they have history. You also mentioned um, you mentioned his wife, or his ex-wife, Inez, played by Sofia Vergara. I've only seen her in a couple of things, and she's been pretty obnoxious from a comedic standpoint, like really fun. I know she's also in Modern Family that I have not seen much of, but I love her performance in this because, first of all, she's beautiful. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, anytime you see a celebrity who is divorcing a really beautiful celebrity, you're like, what did you do wrong and what's happening here? You know? And so I, I watched this guy who is married to this woman who is ambitious. She's successful, but she supports him and still supports him. Like even when he's struggling, she talks about her publicist wanting to get him on uh, maybe a new show or, or really try to get him connected in ways that are going to make him successful. It really causes me to question what was it? Because I don't think I, I caught that. What was it that actually caused him to split up? I think it was his ambition, his lack of probably connecting connecting with her, which really kind of fleshes itself out in this movie. You know, how successful can you be without sacrificing, you know, your family? And of course that's one of the cruxes of the movie where he's trying to build this relationship with his son again. But, you know, she is such a great component to his world. And and then, of course, uh, you have Molly, played by Scarlett Johansson. Of course, I know that mm-hmm. you're never going to say a negative thing about ScarJo. So Mm-mm. I will just go ahead and let you take the take the mic on that one. <laughs> well, I, I will in a second. But first, I wanted to mention there's a scene in this that I think speaks to what I was saying earlier about how it handles that relationship of divorced parents that are putting the kid first and actually still care about each other and supportive. And this is a prime example of what's different in this movie from what you would see in 90% of Hollywood films with this similar structure of plot and characters is when Chef Carl goes into the house and he wants to talk to his son Percy and the housekeeper's like he said he's sleeping and he's like well uh, if he said he's sleeping he's not sleeping and I want to go talk to my son and she comes down the stairway and she is soft-spoken. She never once raises her voice. She never once yells at him. And she's like, hey, can we talk about this first? And he's like starting to get flustered in that way that you would normally see happen where somebody's like, well, no, I want my way, right? I want to go do this thing I want to go do. And she's like, I understand, but can I, can I just talk to you first here on the side? Can, I just, can, can, we, can we just have a conversation first? And... He goes. He's like, yes, he respects her, and they do that. That moment, it it doesn't feel like it means anything incredibly critical to the plot, but it totally wraps up and encapsulates the relationship of them that is so special to me. And I I think that just permeates throughout the film in pretty much every interaction they have, Uh, but it's perfectly shown in that one. And yeah, I do love ScarJo, and she's not in this very much. In fact, I think that was one of the things that really caught me off guard this second viewing, and I texted you about it, and I was like, dude, this cast is insane, and and everybody's not there trying to, like, be the man, right? We get Robert Downey Jr., who comes in and is hilarious in his his five minutes, and it's perfect because you buy him in the character spot, uh, the character that he's playing, right, as this kind of egotistical other ex-husband of hers and somebody that Carl needs because he's offering this thing. He's actually doing a good thing. He's a little bit of a jerk, but you never get the sense that he's, I don't know, he's, it almost, it's almost like he's not even aware of how much of an inappropriate kind of, you know, person he's being. And so, and so I love the way that they handle that. But yeah, Scarlett is not in the film either very long but where she is in it I feel like she's perfectly cast like she is this beautiful hostess who is in charge of kind of you know keeping track of this high 
standard restaurant and bringing people in. And I clearly they have had a relationship in the past from the way that they talk to each other. And she's like, we can't do this. And cause it looks like they're about to, you know, get it on or something. And instead he goes to cook and it's one of my absolute favorite moments in the entire movie. And I used that gif when I was posting about this movie last night on social media. Cause I was like, I, I think I said that I was, Rewatching for podcast homework and food slash Scarlett Johansson worship because it was like a picture of her just eating out of the bowl and then her eyes come up and she just looks at you. And I, I've never wanted to cook food in my life so bad, Patrick. This movie <laughs> made me get up in the middle of it. I paused and I went and made a grilled cheese with <laughs> a couple of slices of <laughs> cheddar like cheese from my fridge and some keto bread and it doesn't look weak. anything like <laughs> it so was terrible. I mean, it was comparatively, <laughs> it was awful, but I was so inspired, quote inspired by the look that she gave him in general. I was just like, I need, I don't know. My dog's the only ones here right now, but I need somebody to look at me the way that she's looking at him because of this food. So again, she's not like Molly, her character or whatever. She's not like critical to the plot, but the purpose she serves is to show us that care, right? That feeling it's to relay that experience that we have and how food can completely in, you know, make just take over your senses and your emotional like output. And yeah, I I love her in this movie and the few moments we get with her. Yeah. I think all these characters point to getting Casper into that food truck that conversation i think after he gets fired there's actually two so there's the moment that he gets a bad review and i think that's when he makes the food for her. but then there later when he confronts ramsey in the restaurant and goes just completely off the wall with the whole molten chocolate cake i was like dude yeah that's definitely internet worthy it's when they're having that conversation i guess at their spot and she tells him, look, you're not happy. You you have not been happy in the last two or three years. And so she gives him that push. And then that conversation with his wife pushes him a little bit further. And she gives him, she being um, Inez, gives him a reason to go to Miami, back to his roots. Because the nanny, apparently the nanny can't get on the plane. I don't know what that's about, but whatever. And so he's taking care of Percy. Well, there, yeah, I ignored it. I just kind of just kind of, all right, well, I guess nannies can't get on planes. I don't know if there's a green card issue or whatever. Maybe she's, she's illegal. But uh, then we get into the uh, the moments in Miami where he's taking Percy to see his grandfather, or she's taking, they're going to see his grandfather, and he has reservations. The writing here is so great because clearly he still thinks he's just along for the ride and he's like are you really going to take him to the club she's like no you are that's why you're here (laughs) and you know he's concerned about it being kind of sketchy it's an adult club and i love the i love the costume design in this particular scene because even percy's looking like dressed to the nines with the hat and the you know very very little cuba or little i forget where little havana that's what it is and (laughs) percy even says you mean like in grand theft auto (laughs) Clearly, we have a generation gap here when it comes to understanding uh, national culture around the around the country. But they go in there and they see his grandfather doing his thing. It's great music, great scene. And then afterwards, which I'm assuming is like at like 1130 or 12, they're having Cuban sandwiches and a salad uh, because Percy's asleep. And you see Carl just eating this Cuban sandwich and saying, man, we need, let's wake Percy up. I really want him to experience this. This is something that I thought was incredible about Favreau's performance because I really believe that Favreau fell in love with the character of Carl. This reminded me a lot of his character in Rounders where he was embodying a real-life persona. I don't know if he's had chef experience in the past or if this is something that he's always wanted to do, but you can see in this dialogue with him and Inez and her father that he wants Percy to experience this. I mean, it's sort of kind of happenstance at this point. And Inez says at the end, she says, yours is better. (laughs) And he starts picking up what she's putting down, like, you know what, maybe I should do this food truck. And I think it takes those little pushes. And I don't know that he would have been convinced to go to Miami had he not had that conversation with Molly. 
I think all these characters are giving him closed doors so that he can sort of be forced into this new world. And I think that's a really great way to push the plot along. I think the only, quote, bad guy in this is um, Dustin Hoffman, the owner of the restaurant playing Riva. But he actually makes a great point. He says, look, he does. Would you go to a <laughs> I was concert? Would you go to a concert, you know, a Rolling Stone concert, and Jagger doesn't play his greatest hits, where he just right. plays new stuff? And while I kind of agree with that, at the same time, it's great to be able to see it from the chef's point of view that, like, look, there is something about being stagnating, and there's a reason why you have one-hit wonders, why you have a lot of 1980s and 90s bands that you listen to the three songs, but you don't really care about anything else. And I think where Casper's perspective is coming from is that he's lost his edge he's lost his ability to be creative and honestly ramsey brings that out he says yep i absolutely agree and per my job i'm going to tell you about it and then the world of social media this is i think is one of the great movies that highlights twitter as a social media platform and all of its uh, a whole con yeah agree yeah so you know well wait having real quick all- go ahead sorry i wanted to mention this though about the dustin hoffman thing so the thing that's interesting to me about that is that I do think he's right. I think that pretty much everybody is right in their moments, and it's okay, and that makes sense. Carl has different goals than the owner of the restaurant. They are just simply sure. not on the same page. Hoffman's like, look, there's people in the restaurant. They like what you are serving or what you are making for them, and we are serving for them. I am happy because they like it and they are coming. I don't care how many stars are on the door or what this food critic thinks. Carl wants that validation on a personal level. Hoffman doesn't give a crap about it because he's getting what he needs as an owner already. And so everybody's in the right. The problem is the communication and them just simply not wanting the same things. And so, you know, the break is not, that's one of the brilliant parts of the movie is how it kind of, very gently lets you feel allegiances to different characters, but it never makes anybody into that villain. Like, I feel like I always recognize that it was simply a situation of it's time. This is all just his needs and ambition and desires to do something, have a different kind of output for his cooking. It's manifesting itself right into this. It's like the the blow up that's coming. It's not because that guy's a jerk necessarily. I mean, yeah, he could have used different words. <laughs> he could have been nicer about it. But uh, you know, it just it was kind of a it, it was always coming. And yeah. that's okay. It had to we had to get here somehow. But go go ahead. Yeah. You're talking about social media as well. No, yeah, I was uh, I was just going to say that um in getting there one thing that and I may be the only person on the entire planet watching this movie that thinks this, but man, that's a lot of wasted food. If you do prep for an evening's worth of Yeah, it of makes food, me mad. That food's like $100 a plate that, like for each course. That's a lot of good bacon, man. That's a lot of good I bacon. I mean, how are you going to make that happen? Not happy. And Not happy with the lava the- cake getting a hand in it. I'll take some molten <laughs> lava cake of a lower standard for sure. whatever Give me free. chilies. I'll take it. I think yeah. it's got molten oh, lava cake. Oh, I hate people treating food like that. I mean, well, even in some of the other food prep scenes, we see him even with um, with Molly. He makes a huge dish for her in which he plates, you know, what you would expect at a fancy restaurant, like 10% of it. I'm assuming, and in my head I justify this, like I'm assuming that he is, you know, preserving it or going to eat it for lunch or, you know, whatever. But it's just, it feels so wasteful in the restaurant because you've done two hours of food prep buying this pig. That opening scene was so fantastic. And now you're like, no, we're gonna do the, we're gonna play the hits with eggs and lobster and and molten lava cake, so yeah. But yeah, the the social media aspect of it, I think, was really interesting. I have only recently, in the last maybe couple of years, been more active on Twitter, at least as a as a spectator sport. But this was a really great way to personify the speed and sort of the unpredictability of social media. And Twitter was a fantastic way to do this. I mean. As we're talking about this, we got Elon Musk potentially buying the thing. And so it's it's become a huge platform at this point. But back in like 2014, I mean, it was really kind of hitting its stride. And I thought that the way, again, how people connect to it that aren't necessarily social media people, 
it explained it in a way that makes a lot of sense in a comedic way. So when Carl sends a message that he thinks it's a private message to Ramsey, he's actually, you know, in a public forum calling him out and it just becomes this whirlwind. But even later on in the movie, when the food truck is at its peak, you have Percy becoming essentially the one of the first versions of a social media influencer, a marketing person. Uh, Carl even calls him that. He's like, this is my marketing guy. He did this. Being able to use things like Vine, uh, which I don't know if that's still a thing now, but all that stuff was used so perfectly and so purposefully. It didn't feel just like we, we get these food prep scenes. We're not looking at this kind of gratuitous, like, let's show off how great it is to make food. You know, we don't get that. And we also don't get this giant advertisement for Twitter. Like it feels like it's organically part of this film. Like it makes sense. All of it leads to them getting that huge crowd in in New Orleans because Percy has geo geocache not geocache but geo pointed to the location with pictures, and it's so cool to see how Carl and Martin are reacting to that. Like, dude, this is this is amazing. Like these two generations of of people are coming together for this common good, which is. Let's celebrate this act of cooking and serving food. And I, I love that. I love that, that Twitter is shown to be both, and social media, I guess, is a bigger commentary, is shown to be both a good and a bad thing, how you can take it and make it something incredible, but you can also take it and it can turn into the biggest pile of poo that you don't want to get away from. In fact, there's that fantastic conversation between Carl and, and, and um, Inez's publicist where she says, he says, well, can't you take it down off that site? And she's like, dude, once it's on the internet, it lives there forever. But then in the next breath, she's like, but people won't care about it two weeks from now. Why? For the same reason that people don't care about things two weeks from now today, it's that we're constant news cycle. And the fact is, we cannot care about everything. And when we're bombarded with so many different things and so many different stories, I imagine six weeks from now, people aren't going to care about Will Smith hitting Chris Rock because something else is going to just blow up our feed and we're going to be fully immersed into that. Will it be forgotten? Absolutely not. But to her point, this could actually be currency for Carl to get some of this momentum. And it actually turns out to be that way because, again, he gets that push from multiple places, social media sort of being a small part of that. And I think that it plays itself out really well. Agreed. And I think that it is pretty close to almost perfect the way it's implemented. The one struggle the movie has to deal with is the fact that when you go so hard at being of the moment that you almost inevitably, you run this risk, and this is what happened, is you name drop technological advancements or you name drop trends that aren't a thing. So specifically Vine, which some people may still remember by this point kind of a little bit, but it's gone and it is what TikTok has kind of grown into. But there's a Tosh.0 reference that I knew what that is, but no one in five years or more is going to have any idea what Tosh.0 is, right? It was like this one guy in this little show that would kind of make fun of things like big cultural things that happened. And, uh, and it, you know, it, it, that doesn't exist. It's not, or maybe it does, but it's definitely nobody cares or it's nowhere in the cultural zeitgeist anymore. And it's like used in this movie as a mention for, Oh, you made Tosh.0, right? No, it, people watching this are going to be like, what the heck is that? So you run that risk. On the flip side, like you said, though, Twitter and Facebook pages and their importance in our lives have definitely endured and grown. And I love, love, love the way that it kind of so subtly works in from the very beginning when he first is with Percy and he's like, oh, you got a, you got a phone? You're 10. Do you need a phone? You're 10. And then you realize like, hey, this younger generation has this talent and Percy is bringing something to the team that goes beyond him making your sandwiches and helping learn how to cook. He is bringing a skill that you don't have and that is making your business successful. It really is a partnership in that way. 
And I think that helps him have buy-in. And, and it's just a, a great scene too, when he kind of finds out, first of all, like them walking through New Orleans, I absolutely love having lived there for yeah. a couple of years, them going to Cafe Du Monde and getting fresh beignets, which there's nothing quite like that. That is an amazing thing. And if you could ever go to New Orleans and get fresh beignets and a cup of coffee from Cafe Du Monde, you have to do that. It's iconic. And it, and it was very memorable. It's like such a, oh, I'm drooling again scene for me. But then like you get to that moment at the truck and Percy's like, yeah, I've just been, you know, taking video as we were going and da, 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 da. And dad didn't even realize it. And dude, that's, that's kids. That's how people who are comfortable with technology can use it. And then people who are uncomfortable may not even realize what's going on around them when it's being used. And I, I just agree. It's a really great implementation as well as the whole, like just main plot of Twitter can be really nasty. And then, like <laughs> you said, it can also help you in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and their relationship I think is at the heart of all this. I mean, we can talk about Casper's career and it spurs this estranged relationship with his son to sort of get restored. And we get so many great moments with those two that I think is like any father-son relationship where dad has an agenda, dad has a, a passion and a career, and he wants to share it with Percy. And I love seeing how that grows organically, where he's reluctant to have Percy with him as he cleans out the truck. There's that whole sequence where Percy pulls out the the hotel tray that's full of I don't know what, and without skipping a beat, Carl's like, "Clean it out." No, clean it out, Percy. No, I've had this conversation. Boy, with my, my son, blood was just, boiling. My blood was boiling. Ooh, I was ready to. Oh mm. I was ready to hit him with that pan. I was like, "You don't want to clean it out. I'm gonna clean your clock." You know, it just it was just so defined. I was impressed with the restraint. Yes. From Carl in that moment yeah. again with the movie the movie does that several times you know when he you mentioned the scene where he's asleep and he's like no I want to feed him the want him to taste this and she's like no he's asleep and he's like no I want to wake him up and she's like no and he's he go okay and he doesn't wake him up again most movies are going to create a dramatic fight scene out of those situations that he's going to wake him up and the wife's going to get mad or ex-wife's going to get mad at him because he didn't listen to her or He's going to go overboard in his anger towards Percy about the pan. And then he's going to apologize for having screamed or yelled or whatever. And instead, it's handled much calmer and more realistically and, and much better parenting than that. Well, and I think part of that, Aaron, is because you have these two characters that have something to give each other. And so when you talk about a father-son relationship the one thing you want to lean into or you typically lean into is how the father is going to imprint wisdom onto the son. And there's nothing incorrect about that. There's so many times when through the, throughout the movie, you have Carl teaching his son about this passion. He, after that blow up, he apologizes for getting mad. He apologizes. I shouldn't have said that to you. And I say, Hey, listen, I've got to go to the store and pick out a, a new stove. You want to help me? And he's like, I guess, okay. That's a typical response from a from an adolescent. It's like, you know, I still feel kind of crappy. And then as they go through the store, he's kind of explaining to him, you know, here's why I need this. Okay, we need three of those. And then he talks about the um, the French press for the uh, for the Cubanos. And then he gets to that scene where he picks out a chef's knife and he explains to Percy, this is why it's important. It's the most important thing in the kitchen. It's a, it's the chef's knife. It's going to be your job. And I love that part. He said it's going to be your job to keep it clean, to keep it sharp. If you take care of it, it will last a long time. And he's not wrong. I mean, I have a nice chef's knife, and I make sure to try to keep it sharp uh, fairly frequently. And, you know, it's lasted me for probably like eight years of my you know 14-year marriage. I bought it like five years into our marriage, and it's still a good knife. But I think it's those types of responsibilities that he imprints onto Percy in relationship to the thing that he knows that gives him that kind of mentoring authority that he wouldn't have otherwise. And Percy does the same thing for him. He completely recognizes how good Percy is and how much it's needed for that social media presence. So he doesn't dismiss that. And then we get to that scene that you were talking about earlier where 
Percy is serving those um, Cubanos and he burns one. And those are being served as sort of a demo, a sort of a prototype to the crew that helped them lift the oven or whatever it was into the food truck. And, you know, Percy says it's burned. I mean, they're not paying for it. So why should I care? And you see Casper pulling him off to the side again, as you mentioned, gently. He doesn't grab his shoulder, grab his clothes and say, come here. He says, can you take care of this, Martin? Yeah. And he says, listen, I love this. I love doing this. This is my passion. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But one thing he says that I remember, he says, I love touching people with this thing. Like, I love doing this because what I do touches other lives. And I want to share this with you. And that's when you see kind of a little turn in Percy because he calls him chef. He respects the position. But I think at the same time, he understands how important this is to his dad. Because up to this point, he's been a tag along. He sees how much his dad loves what he does but he sees it in sort of a reactive way. And now he feels like, okay, I'm not just part of the the line crew, but I understand why my dad is so passionate about this. And of course that comes to a head in Texas where they're listening to the blues player and Percy's talking about how much he wants to continue working on the food truck. And he says, I'll work in the afternoons after school and on weekends. And of course Casper's you know, reluctant about that. And we get that resolution a couple of days later with that was that sixty second uh, you know one second a day clip, and I think that that's the kind of resolution that I love because it's, it feels good, but at the same time it's also something that makes sense because Carl recognizes, look, if I'm going to connect with my son, it's not just going to be that he loves food like I do, it's going to be that he needs to understand that he matters, and if he really wants to do this. I can't deny him that because one, he's actually shown that he can do this. It's not like some <laughs> nepotism where <laughs> your son is terrible at this, but you're going to do it anyway. It feels very much like I can connect with him and he can see how much I love this and I can, I can share this with him. And that's where I felt really connected with this father-son relationship is that here's something I love and I want my son to be able to appreciate it. And I want him to get to the point where he's like, hey, can we continue to do this? Now, what that is for me, I don't know. <laughs> My son's nine at this point. I think it's soccer. I think he enjoys me being out on the pitch with him and kind of embracing and endorsing what he's doing. But he also, you know, he tells me from a nine-year-old perspective, you're a good coach, dad. And I'm like, I appreciate that. I'm not really. But, you know, it's just this, it's nice. And, and I think that those types of things are played out in a realistic way that don't feel superficial. And I, and I liked seeing that. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot about this that just doesn't feel like a movie, capital M movie. I don't, I don't know how else to say it, but like it doesn't feel like a overly dramatized movie. Just feels like, you know, you and I are big fans of Slice of Life, and so that's probably why, because this is a pun intended Slice of Life. And you know, it's also got a great soundtrack. You put it that in the notes, and I, I'd have yes. to agree. My favorite is the sexual healing moment the the look on percy's face when he sees them jamming <laughs> out to sexual healing going from pure and utter like shock and awkwardness and uncomfortableness to giggling and the, that just i mean there's so many moments like that in this movie where you're just like wow that's such a great memorable thing for this group of characters whichever collection it happens to be at the time and there, and it's so good, yeah. But the the whole yeah. soundtrack is great. I also love the fact that we're getting really a highlight reel of all the great food from around the country. The mm. movie mm. starts in Miami, and of course we get the Cubanos, and that's that's always on the menu, which is perfect because that's what he's doing. But what really makes me happy is we go to these different states, and he adds those things to the menu. He doesn't make a full menu, but. Right. You know, once they go to New Orleans, the beignets are on there for the rest of the trip. Then yep. they go to Texas and they do what the midnight, um, midnight special. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, I think the, it was like bar- Austin Midnight or Midnight Austin, Austin, Austin yeah. or something. But it was barbecue is what it was. It was and good I was like, barbecue. Ready man. to go. That's I was ready Texas to go. Bar- <laughs> Texas barbecue is the bomb. I mean, when you don't have to smother it in barbecue sauce, that's good barbecue. Yeah. As someone from Arkansas can attest to that. So I, I think that the the highlight reel of all those types of food, it really does make me want to go to New Orleans and go to Cafe Dumont and get myself a beignet. And I think I believe him when he says, 
eat it slowly because you only have your first beignet one time. And I think I've had a beignet, but not from Cafe Du Monde. So I'd love to be able to experience that. And I just, I love that he incorporates that into his trip. I'd like to believe I don't ever see the food truck after they open the restaurant. I know there's the, there's the really cool kind of model of the food truck with suckers in it. I'd like to think that it exists and that it goes out on the road with like some of his staff because, <laughs> I mean, that's just a cool food truck and it's got fun, fun things. But I'd like to believe that if it does exist in that world still, that it's adding local flavor wherever it goes. So it's picking up like what's good here. Okay, we're going to serve that and we're going to do it in a quick way. That's the other thing is that you've got such a professional line crew and a professional chef in that truck that they can adapt to the place that they're in. I thought that was pretty fantastic. Well, speaking of food, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about some of our favorite food prep sequences. We've alluded to a couple of them, but I'll just go ahead and and throw mine down there. It's the it's the grilled cheese moment. I watched right. that scene on repeat. I think it's on YouTube, and I think it's in my favorites because I have Aaron tried to replicate that. I'm like, okay, what kind of bread is he using? Is that sourdough? <laughs> is he throwing some butter on there? Okay, I'm going to do that. All right, what kinds of cheese? He's got three types of cheeses going on. I know. Just, it's just it's so immaculate. It's it, and I think it speaks to the fact that as as people you and I I think are in this boat, we're like a lot of like 90% of the world that we think that a plate has to be full of food. It can't be plated just very, you know, minutely as we see at like these four and five star restaurants where by the fifth course of an eight course meal you've eaten like 40 calories because everything is just so small. But things like this, this grilled cheese moment really signify that you can make something gourmet. You can make something taste amazing and look amazing. And Percy's response to that is so great. He goes, mom cuts the crust off. And then Casper goes, I don't. And then what does he do later? Well, he's, you know, Percy's showing him how to use Twitter. He's eating the grilled cheese sandwich. Why? Because you're going to enjoy the food that you eat. You don't just make it for other people. You're going to make it for yourself. And it's just like oozing with cheese and just melted. And oh, it's crispy and yeah, I, I love that. And I'm probably in the majority. I think most people are like, make me that grilled cheese, Carl. Please just make that for me. I'll pay $12 for it or 15 Yeah. Maybe not more than that, but you know, maybe a, a killer tomato soup to go with it. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's one of the things. It's like you when you start to venture out and if you have the you know ability to do this, to spend money on food in a way that is more than just for sustenance, right? But to for actual pleasure eating, I guess, if you will, and like spend that 15 bucks on a grilled cheese. It's a very different experience. We have a food truck here that's called like the Great American Grilled Cheese or something like that. And that's all they sell is like 10 or 15 different variations of these giant, thick, fat grilled cheese sandwiches. And they are like 15 bucks a pop. And it's, you would love it, Patrick. It's like, it's, it's amazing. It's like that, right? But you can get it with all sorts of different kind of crazy combos and different types of cheese and different types of breads and different types of, you know, some kind of have a garlic aioli instead of just butter, et cetera. And it's great. So uh, yeah, the, the grilled cheese stands out. I think the Cubano it is really just, I mean, it's what this movie is all about. Like you, you can't, they, they nail it the way that they, he expresses it and is teaching Percy how to make it. And for me, it's a Cubano sticks out because it's not something I get very often at all. In fact, I don't think I've had one in five or six years since I went keto. It's not even been something I've cheated with. Makes me want to do that sometime soon, though. I've had a few in my life. I've had some at you know, a Vietnamese uh, sandwich shop locally that was incredible. Uh, not Vietnamese. That was, a, <laughs> that was a banh mi. What am I talking about? No, I've had one at a sandwich shop locally, but I didn't have a Cubano at a Vietnamese sandwich shop. That was... <laughs> I'm mixing my uh, <laughs> cultural touch points here. Not that they couldn't make yeah. one, but you sure. know, um, sure. but yeah, it, you know, it's it really just immaculate the way that it's described and the way that it's shown. And it just makes you want one. And I already mentioned it, but the whole sequence of cooking for Scarlett Johansson, it's just, there's something that's more than the food for me in <laughs> that sequence. And I mean, I just, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, it, watching her eat is a treat <laughs> and of itself. I don't even know what she's eating. I don't care. I don't remember. 
doesn't matter. SpaghettiOs and SpaghettiOs. <laughs> it could be in that bowl. It could be SpaghettiOs. And the way she looks at him, I that's enough. That's good. Good with me. But speaking of the food scenes, you know, it's a great segue because I wanted to mention this. My buddy hit me up on Twitter, actually a couple friends, and had said, have you checked out this TV show that they did after the movie? And I was like, what are you talking about? And so they started talking about it, and it's called The Chef Show, which is kind of a really lame name, frankly. But basically, Favreau and this guy named Roy Choi, Chef Roy Choi, who was the chef that Favreau trained under prior to making the movie Chef, they do all of these like documentary-style episodes where they're out interviewing people, visiting different restaurants, and sometimes just themselves, and they're making food. So it's not unlike most cooking food shows. Roy Choi is a Korean-American chef who gained prominence as the creator of a gourmet Korean-Mexican taco truck called Kogi, which sounds amazing, and I really want to try this now. And he is celebrated for making food that isn't fancy but is gourmet. And so that's perfectly in line with the theme of the movie Chef. So it works out great. And I watched a couple episodes of the show against my better judgment because I'd already I was already full when I paused the movie to make the stupid grilled cheese and ate it. And I was still way full. And then I watched the wrong episode out of order. So the the, the show has like, I don't know, 16 or so first season episodes over a few different parts. This is on Netflix, by the way, so you can view it all. And then it has a second season. Well, the second season's first episode, because of Netflix's stupid order and the way that they structure things when you find a show for the first time on the app, it played that. I thought I was starting the season one, but it started at season two, episode one. And it was a bake shop called Milk Bar. And it was like chocolate layer cake, grasshopper pie, some sort of like marshmallow infused cookies and truffles. And dude, I have never been so angry that I could not find sweets in my house because I'm keto and I try <laughs> to limit that stuff, right? I mean, I, I don't eat keto strictly anymore. I cheat all the time, but I didn't, I don't have that stuff with me. There's a place locally that we can order from or go get cookies from they're they're only open from like 5 p.m to i don't know 2 a.m it's called the midnight cookie company they make fantastic huge cookies and sometimes i break down and i literally way overpay to have like uber bring me midnight cookies from about two miles away because i need cookies i was on the app last night during this show looking for those cookies thankfully they were closed god saved me a couple of pounds somehow because I don't know, maybe because it was Easter, whatever the reason, thank goodness that they happened to not be on the app open. But anyway, I finally get to episode one of season one, and the show is so cool, and I highly recommend it because it feels truly just like an extension of the movie. It's a documentary-style show, but it's not nearly as highly produced as most cooking shows. It feels like Favreau and Choi are in their own home making YouTube videos. And that's how like friendly and down to earth they are just as people and their approach. And it's really fun and it's really cool. And it shows you how to make the food, right? Like if you ever want to make it, you can just pause, pause on the ingredients list, write them down or whatever. I'm sure they probably have those things online somewhere for all the stuff that they make. And the first episode, they had Gwyneth Paltrow on it and this great, hilarious jokes and tie-ins from Iron Man. And then they make a Cubano and the grilled cheese and some other stuff from the movie. And I thought that was so cool. So, Patrick, if you ever really, really want to know how to make that grilled cheese, you I know you've watched the show, but you can just go back and rewatch that episode and you will really get it down because it'll tell you exactly mm-hmm. what cheese is and the butters and all that stuff. And so... oh. I yeah. can do you one better, Aaron. Yeah. The the oh, chefshow.com no. has the recipes for Oh, it does. Okay, so I thought it might. Yeah. Yeah. Great. It's, got, it, it's limited. It's limited. It, but they're from the from the movie. So it's got the cabano, grilled cheese, roast mojo pork, yeah, uh, scarlet's oh, pasta pork. as you That's were, what it was. There we to. go. Does Scarlet Johansson come with the pasta? Does it do you like uh, have a maybe. phone number? <laughs> Did I call or text? 
<laughs> how do I, how do I, I really get a sprinkle that. of ScarJo in my uh, ScarJo pasta? <laughs> <laughs> That's the ingredient, the missing ingredient that I want. But uh, yeah, no, I highly recommend this show. I know Patrick, you said you've watched it. I think when we mm. talked about it, yeah, yeah, I've watched a few episodes. I, I, I obviously haven't watched everything, but I've watched the episodes that, um, with uh, with Gwyneth and a couple others. But it's yeah, I, I happily agree with everything you're saying. It's just. It, it, again, it feels organic, a lot like this movie. The movie's not a big budget film, and the conversations that take place feel much like the conversations that you hear in the movie. So even if you're not a fan of the food, which, you know, what's your problem? You can enjoy watching this as a means to just see how this stuff gets done and watching the prep. I think the prep, for me, is such a banger of moments because of the fact that I want to be able to chop onions that fast. And there's a moment like even in the opening sequence where Favreau's chopping onions or something like that. But the shot starts with him, you know, looking at him in the face and he's looking over to the uh, left or right. And then the camera cuts down and he's like just chopping just really rapidly. And I'm like, how are you not cutting your fingers off? Well, it's because he was trained. And that's the other thing that I think this movie really, really does well is it shows off the talent of what it means to actually cook. Because you can cook, like I can cook a grilled cheese sandwich, I can cook a casserole, I can cook chili, but the ability to plate the food, the ability to go through that whole sequence, like even when he's making what I feel like, again, is a wasted set of food. Dude, the one at home, the whole like yes, 10 course prior meal, to, oh my yeah, God. I'm like, what is going on? That was I an think, emotional like thing. Yeah. That wasn't... <laughs> That was Especially so much that dessert. I was so yeah. yeah. Oh, like the berries and cream with the you know with the broken candy glass stuff. Yeah. I thought that was amazing, but all that stuff that goes into it, the way in which he makes it, it's just it's beautiful. And then yes, to feel like it's getting wasted because he's getting pissed off at Rams and he goes and just yells at him. It's like, dude, just show him your food. Just show him your food, man. It's all that's that's all it takes. But I'm not in that world, so I don't understand that. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't that easy. Yeah, I don't know, but it does it does show I think that Favreau not was not just acting as a character like you were talking about earlier, but the the fact that this chef show came out of this movie is evidence that he truly fell in love with this, whether he had it before the movie or not. He did after. He became a passion. He did it, he learned it, and he realized that it was something that he wanted to continue doing. And so then he just continued doing it because he didn't have to do that. The dude's rich. He makes plenty of movie. He's got a good gig with Marvel and Star Wars. He didn't have to go make some random, very low budget, clearly chef show, you know, documentary show to make some recipes. Like he, he's doing it because he has a love of it and it shows. And I, and I, I resonate with that, you know, big time. Yeah. I think one final thing before we finish up is the fact that this feels like he got a bunch of his friends together to make this movie. You know, you have that moment with Robert Downey making, you know, making him feel, I mean, again, it's five minutes, but it's essentially Tony Stark on steroids at this point, just this fast talking, going back and forth. And I love the chemistry. I love the fact that it feels like he's just like, Hey guys, here's a script. What do you think? Could you just do this? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's reflective of the characters in the movie where you have John Leguizamo's like, where, wherever you're at, man, I'm coming. I'm there. And I think a lot of these actors were like, would love to be a part of this, would absolutely love to be a part of this. And um, to know that for sure would just make my heart even happier. So I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there and say, yeah, that's what happened. Sounds good. Well, that will do it for us on this edition of Feeling Film. We hope that you have had a good time listening as much as we've had talking. That's going to wrap it up for us. Feel free to catch us on social media. You know where we are. And in the meantime, just keep watching movies and enjoying what you enjoy because that's what we're doing. <laughs> Aaron, thanks for another great conversation. We'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group, a link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, 
You can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.